What's up, everybody? You are listening to the Early Risers podcast. I'm your host, Skylar Deem, and I am an early riser. Now, if you are a first-time listener on the show, I'd like to welcome you. This show is all about helping you live a more effective life. So I talk on episodes. I bring on guests on episodes that talk about health, productivity, mindset, and just helping you level up your life in general. So what is this show all about? Well, first, I think it's necessary that I define what an early riser is. Now, an early riser isn't necessarily someone who wakes up at 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. To me, an early riser is someone who wakes up earlier than they have to in order to get in some form of uninterrupted personal development in the morning. So, yeah, you may wake up at 10 a.m. to get to work on time, but if you wake up at 9.30 and for those 30 minutes you do something to push you to get better, you are an early riser. Today's special guest is Dr. Sean Pastuch. Dr. Pastuch is the founder and CEO of Active Life, where he wants to change the way active people improve their health. Dr. Sean believes that the way to make healthcare inspiring again is to get it out of the doctor's office and into the gym. With his team, Dr. Sean helps active people avoid surgery and work towards doing what they love without the pain associated with working out. He motivates his clients through coaching and individualized programming. Now, for those of you who did not know, a little over a year ago, I had shoulder surgery. And since that point, my shoulder never really healed right. I never was able to get back in the gym because I was experiencing pain, clicking, something just kind of fell off. So what's cool about this episode is we have a little section where Dr. Sean kind of breaks down how he evaluates his clients and how he kind of deals with people who are experiencing pain. And he literally walked me through the process and he did it on air. And what this experience taught me actually allowed me to go to the gym, push past some of my pain and get in the best workouts that I've had since my surgery. So yeah, my shoulder's not completely healed yet. But at the same time, I took massive steps in one week. You know, they were bigger steps than what I've taken this past year and a half or a year, a little over a year. So with that being said, you know, this is a super important episode. If you are a fit person, if you are really experiencing some sorts of pain when you exercise or when you move your body, this is an episode that I think will really, really help. So with that being said, if you have any other questions from the show or you want to connect with Dr. Pastuch, Definitely check out the show notes or you can head over to uh, earlyrisersmovement.com slash ERM47. And if you go there, you'll see everything that you need to know. So again, I hope you enjoy. Thank you for listening and I'll talk to you soon. So today's special guest is Dr. Sean Pastuch. How are you today? I'm good, Skylar. How are you doing? I'm great, and I'm I'm thankful to have you on the show. I'm excited to dive into it. Do you mind starting us off sharing a little bit about your story, um, about what you do, and kind of how you got to this point in your life? Oh, man. I don't know if you have enough time for that. <laughs> um, I'll give you the, the nuts and the bolts. Back in – I'm a chiropractor and – a strength and conditioning coach, I guess you could call it. I've, I've owned CrossFit affiliates. I've been a personal trainer at Globo gyms like World Gym and Equinox. I have a business now called Active Life, and we're the only company in the world helping thousands of people from anywhere on earth 
to get out of pain without going to the doctor or missing the gym. And the way that we've gone from me being another chiropractor to me being where I am is really deeply rooted in Hurricane Sandy, believe it or not. Back mm-hmm. in 2000, what was it 2012? October 29, 2012. I, uh, I owned a gym that was doing really well chiropractic clinic that was attached to the gym. I lived in the same town, all in a town called Long Beach, New York. And when Hurricane Sandy came up the coast, it wiped up all three of them. So we had six feet of sludge and oil and water and salt inside of our buildings. Uh, house gone, or apartment, but apartment gone, gym gone, clinic gone, and all in a flash. And that kind of sent me to a place mentally where I was like, you know what? I don't ever want to have to depend on brick and mortar again. Because not only is your building gone at that point, but no one lives in your town. Hmm. You know what I mean? It was it was like a two-year rebuild. So that sucked. And I was always searching for something I could do remotely. I, I tried a bunch of other stuff along the way that failed. I tried an event company that, that it's still in existence. I'm not a part of it anymore didn't ever make me any money and it, it was very stressful, but it was a lot of fun. It just, you know, wasn't fair to have a hobby that costs us thousands of dollars a year to my wife. I had the chiropractic clinic, which was doing well, uh, but not in a way that I was ever happy. I was going to be able to sustain the kind of lifestyle that I wanted to live and help people the way I wanted to help them. When you're, when you're in a clinic, anybody out there who's a, a doctor, you guys know, the first two questions people will ask you are, how much is how much will this cost me, and how long do I need to do it for? Mm-hmm. Basically, they're saying, hey, how soon can I stop doing this? And I haven't even started working with you yet, and that always sucked. Mm-hmm. So we got into doing the online business almost by accident. We were always looking for it. People always say, oh, you're you're lucky this, you're lucky that, and yes, we are lucky that we had a patient of ours move from New York to San Francisco and continue to work with us while he was away and then refer us to friends of his who were living in San Francisco who we did the job for and one thing led to another and then all of a sudden we were an international company. However, we were looking for the opportunity to do that. So when he moved, there was no hesitation, let's try and do this. And then when it worked well, there was no hesitation of asking for referrals. Um, And that's kind of how we went from being a chiropractic clinic attached to a CrossFit gym to an international company helping thousands of people get out of pain without ever missing the gym. Hmm. I love it. And I would definitely love to dive more into your company. Um, First, I kind of want to cover the topic of chiropractic and CrossFit and physical therapy. So switching over to what you do now was besides kind of being pushed into that, was there something that you saw that was wrong with chiropractic and physical therapy? Or was it kind of just you You saw a better opportunity for this and that's what you wanted to dive into? No, so there's a lot that I feel like is wrong with chiropractic and physical therapy. That being said, it, it's not wrong. It's just wrong for me. You know, I, I, I have so much respect for chiropractors who are out there doing the job every day and for physical therapists who are out there doing the job every day and for orthopedists who are out there doing the job every day for a population of people who are getting the results that they're paying for. This is not about a battle against you know, CrossFit or physical therapy or chiropractic. It's that the way that physical therapy and chiropractic are perceived 
and the way that that perception leads to their impact in, in a lot of ways for me, we're, we're totally unacceptable. And what I mean by that is it's all in person. It's all, this is how many times per week I need to see you. This is what it costs to see you each time during the week. This is how many times I need to see you until I no longer need to see you. That's always the script. Mm. And when there's clinicians out there who are charging people, for example, you know, $2,500, $3,000 for a case fee, they're often thought of as swindlers or terrible people who are trying to take their patients for a financial ride. And there's a lack of acceptance for financial stability and patient-centered healthcare in the same field. Mm-hmm. Um, it's unfortunate. It doesn't have to be that way. It's, it's just the nature of the beast right now, and I didn't want to be any part of that. Not to mention, I finally got my clinic to being fairly successful, and then Hurricane Sandy took it out anyway. Mm-hmm. So second clinic, we restarted, and I just decided, that, you know what, as soon as we had the opportunity to do something remote, we needed to do it. Definitely. So I know chiropractic is, chiropractic is definitely more hands-on. It's, you know, someone adjusting you and working physically with you. So do you mind speaking on what you do now with Active Life and how it works in, you know, you can work with someone across the world, across the country, and you can still give them amazing results? Absolutely. So one of the things, like I said earlier, people always ask, how long do I need to be here for and what's it going to cost? So the question that we started asking patients, I say we, at the time I had a business partner, Dr. Jeremy Todd, uh, who was very influential on this entire system as well. We would ask patients, where would you rather be? In the gym. Okay. So what if we could help you get, you know, get out of pain using the gym? Would that be something you would enjoy more? Yeah, absolutely. So we decided we need to figure out how to do that. Um, chiropractic is adjustments, soft tissue work. We didn't really use stim or ice or heat at all. But that's really what you're looking at. What's the range of motion and how can I change it? Physical therapy would suggest that they're doing the same thing without adjustments and they're putting load through joints and they're they're essentially like a more specific therapeutic version of a personal trainer that is a total oversimplification. But they're using exercises and stretches and manual techniques to lengthen tissues and to strengthen tissues. Where we saw both of those things being limited is it doesn't hurt anymore when I go to work. It doesn't hurt anymore when I go for a jog, but my back definitely bothers me when I deadlift over 300 pounds. And most physical therapists would say, yeah, well, that's a lot of weight. You don't need to do that. And then they didn't have the the methods inside of their facility to do that. So patients were left on their own. And then there was, I'm out of pain. What do I do now? Well, ease back into it. And easing back into it for somebody who can squat 400 pounds as compared to somebody who can, and works out four hours a day is very different than ease back into it to the weekend warrior who works out 30 minutes a day, three days a week and plays pickup football on the weekend. Mm. So we wanted to make that really specific and we wanted to accommodate for the population of people who want to go back and not just be able to stay alive, but to, to work to thrive. Yeah, and that's so powerful. And it's something I, I can relate to. And I would like to talk about this. So um, 
about a year ago, I had a shoulder injury and I, uh, I don't know what happened. It just kind of tweaked and it got worse and worse little by little. Um, and eventually I went to the doctor, I got an MRI and I was told that I had a labrum tear. And so I had surgery. I decided to go through with it because at the time I didn't really understand the whole idea of, you know, healing yourself through whatever methods, um, you know, whether that be what you're doing or chiropractic or anything along those lines. Um, but yeah, so I, I had this injury and then fast forward to now, it's a little over a year later and I'm still affected by that. I had the surgery. I had to go through a couple months of a pretty tough recovery and, you know, it's still not healed properly. Um, so I guess what I want to bring that back to is injuries that people get. And I think the idea that when they're injured, they can just go back to the original way that they were doing things. Um, you know, and I think a majority of people are stuck in this mindset of, I have to work out this certain way, this one way, whether that is just lifting weights, just doing bench press, squats, deadlift, whether that is doing, you know, just, just running or just stair stepper or whatever. Um, but can you speak on like the importance of including a variety when you exercise and, maybe talk about some different aspects of exercise that are important? Well, I'd like to unpack that a little bit differently if it's okay with you. Yeah. So you got surgery. Okay. We're past that. We can't unoperate. Now you're still having pain. Is that right? It's yeah, it's, um, it's pain in certain situations. Like my shoulder will still click and still pop, but I found that it's more like I feel uneven. Okay. Um, Does it ever become unstable? Um, if I'm going a little heavier in the gym, yes. And uh, what, what is a, what? How do you know it's unstable? Do you just drop the weight? Is it over? No, it's just kind of like I'm. I'm definitely not as strict as I can be with my reps. Like I'm. I'm very shaky. Got it. So, so when I say unstable, I mean like it's gonna fall out of the socket. I have to stop doing this. Mm, definitely not to that okay. level. Good. And have you been told if it hurts, just back off and don't do that? Yep, that's exactly what I was told. So. What is hurt? Yeah. I mean, and, and, and that's, that's the problem right there. The, everything that we just went through right there, that's the problem. The problem is uh, twofold. One pain is not, it, it's not a real objective thing. Pain is a, is an emotion. It's an interpretation of stimulus that, that we all get differently. Did you play sports growing up, Skylar? I wrestled in high school. Okay. So I imagine that some of the pain that you get, if the doctor told you, hey, man, you can push through that a little bit, you would be like, cool. I've felt pain worse than this before. Is that right or wrong? Yes. Um, but I think also it's to the point where I, I feel unstable and I feel like something's wrong. So it's not just like it hurts and I want to stop. It's more, it feels like if I continue, something worse is going to happen to my shoulder. And you feel that way because you don't have the certainty of feeling that way and coming out on top. Mm. Am I right? Yeah. Right. So what happens is, you know, you wrestled. I wrestled not so well. The guy ahead of me in my class just beat, pounded me every day. Um, so I switched to basketball. <laughs> um, but my point is, you were in some positions where, you know, I imagine your shoulder was put behind your back a few times. And I imagine that you were on your neck a few times. I imagine that your legs were under you in positions you didn't really like. 
all these different things have happened. You felt some discomfort. And if any of those happened right now, you would think nothing of it, right? Mm. You last had a shoulder problem and it turned out to be a labrum tear that needed surgery. Now, every time you feel something similar to what you felt before you needed surgery, your brain goes right to, oh, if I keep doing this, I'm going to need surgery again. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. If your doctor said to you, Skylar, this is what you're going to feel in your rehab. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to feel slightly unstable. It's going to feel like if you keep pushing, um, something bad might happen. However, here are the parameters that we're going to live in. Provided that your pain on a scale of 0 to 10 does not get higher than a 4, I want you to keep going. If your pain is getting better from rep to rep and or set to set, I want you to keep going. If your pain goes away as soon as you put the weight down, I want you to keep going. If you do not have any pain the next day in the joint line, I want you to keep doing it. If someone said that to you, would the way that you feel when you press or when you use your shoulder be totally different when you get that sensation that you get? Yes, but my question is if I'm using it and it it continues to click and pop, is that something that would be a signal to stop? No. Okay. Then yeah. Right. So if it's clicking and popping with with instability or severe pain, yes. Clicking and popping, you know, that was my wrist. I don't know if you heard that or not. Mm. I'm not going to stop using it. Clicking and popping, especially in a joint that's post-surgical, is very, very common. What happens is clicking and popping can, can come from a bunch of different things. One of them, which is very benign, is that the way the joint rotates is no longer the way the joint was meant to be rotated because there was a procedure done. So now the way the gas lives in the joint is a little bit different. The way that the angles that the joint sets itself up in are a little bit different. The way the joint handles load is a little bit different. It's not surprising that you have some clicking and popping, but I have CrossFit clients who I work with who have torn labrums who've gone to the CrossFit games with them year after year. So where is that line where, you know, you have slight discomfort or pain and then where's the line where it, it reaches a certain point and you should stop? Yeah. So great question. There are four terms I think you need to know and anybody listening to this needs to know. The first term is insult. Insult is the neg- the subconscious intake of stimulus, right? So that's, you're not in any pain right now, but there's stuff going on. And if you, if you had to sit still for four hours, eventually you become uncomfortable, right? Mm. The moment that you become uncomfortable is when insult becomes irritation. It's now the conscious intake of stimulus. You following me? Yep. Okay. Pain is the negative emotion associated with irritation. I don't like the way that that feels. It's a negative emotion. We talked before, you wrestled in high school. Do you have any friends who never played any sports? Uh, yes. Okay. Can you imagine, and, and do they do they work out? Yeah. Okay. I want you to picture somebody who's afraid to go into the gym. They've never worked out, they've never played sports growing up. They've always been a little bit afraid of getting hurt. Right? Mm-hmm. You take them to the gym, and they feel a little tweak. The same way you might. Do they respond to that tweak the same way as you? Definitely not. What's different? 
their mindset isn't right there. And so what do they do? They back away. Yeah. They experience a higher level of pain than they need to because they've never experienced that before. Pain is like panic. They decide, I felt something that's bad. I have a three and a half year old daughter. Yesterday I took her to the playground and she tripped over my feet getting out of the car and she fell on her knee. She started crying, like hysterically crying as if somebody had stabbed her. There was no blood. There was no bruise. It was not a big fall. I couldn't get her to calm down. I said, Mackenzie. I said, yeah, daddy. I said, what's your favorite color? Rainbow. Said, Rainbow? All the colors? He, yeah, daddy. And now she's laughing. Mm. Totally forgot about the paint. I thought your favorite color was purple like daddy's. No. You're so silly. Can we go to the playground now? Mm. Your friend who, who never exercises is no different. They just... They don't have the experience of that thing consciously over and over and over again happening to the point that they're like, oh, I can associate this to the last time I felt the tweak like that and didn't die. You follow? Yeah. So what we tell our clients is because pain is an emotion, excuse me, I'm starting a little bit below the weather. Because pain is an emotion, we need to put a construct to it to provide some certainty. On a scale of one to 10, like we just described, if it's less than a five, we're okay with it. It's irritation, and irritation drives adaptation. If it's getting better rep to rep, we're okay with it. It's irritation. Irritation drives adaptation. If it's not there 24 hours later, we're okay with it. It's irritation, and irritation drives adaptation. And if it's gone as soon as you put the weight down, we're okay with it. It's irritation, and irritation drives adaptation. You're not causing permanent damage. Do you understand me? Mm, yeah. If I stabbed you, which I've never done to anybody, but if I stabbed you, when I pulled the knife out, it would not all of a sudden not hurt anymore, right? There's damage being done there. So when we're doing something, is it possible to do something that would cause us damage and doesn't hurt at all as soon as we pull off? Yes, of course. That's why the other parameters are in place. So that's pain. It's a negative emotion associated with irritation tied to uncertainty. It can oftentimes be considered a synonym for panic. Lastly, is injury. So insult, subconscious intake of stimulus, irritation, conscious intake of stimulus, pain, the negative emotional response, tied to uncertainty, and injury is I can't. I get people all the time who will come into me and say, I have a knee injury. You don't have a knee injury, you walked in. You have a squatting injury. You have you have a a running injury, and what that means is that that's what you've chosen. You can't do, and that's that's definitely an interesting way to look at it. I, I think where I'm kind of having an issue is the line, the line between pain and injury. Um, I think like even with the guidelines that you set out, like there's a point. How do you decipher when pain is exactly at a five, or how do you decipher? you know, whenever all these other guidelines come into play. Yeah, and that's the part of it that, that kind of thinks is that there's no definitive guideline. But what I would say to you is this. Do you have, do you get the pain and the, the popping and the clicking that you get with weight when you do something with your arm in the absence of weight? Yeah. You do? Yeah. Does it get worse when you add weight? Um, I'd say it's about the same. Okay. 
Is it a four out of ten, six out of ten if you had to rate it? Lower. Okay. Have you been back to the orthopedist? Have you had another MRI? No. Okay. If another MRI came up and it said, hey, you might need surgery in six years if you keep using your shoulder, so stop using it, and you'll never need surgery, but you also can't use your shoulder, would you just decide to stop using it? Probably not. Okay. So the biggest risk that you face right now, I want to make sure I'm on the same page as you. The biggest risk that you face right now is that if you use your shoulder, you might cause damage down the line. And if you don't use your shoulder, you might not. Yeah. Okay. You're in a great place then. Mm. Here's the other problem with, with typical doctoring. When we walk across the stage, we go back to our seat, and then we take an oath together. The oath is, above all, do no harm. Right? Hmm. Hippocratic oath. The problem is nobody defines harm. And what they say is, above all, do no harm. I don't remember the rest of the oath. It was, I'm sure it was nice. <laughs> what about emotional harm? Right? I mean, where, where, I'm not suggesting that you're depressed and sad and lonely. What I'm suggesting is that you're not performing at your optimum and that makes you feel like less than your optimum. Of course. And the risk of not being able to use your shoulder for you is just totally unacceptable. And the worst case scenario right now is another labrum surgery, which you're not going to, no, no doctor in their right mind is going to tell you that you need one if your pain is less than a four out of 10. And it doesn't get worse when you add weight to it. So what's really the risk? Yeah, I guess, I guess it's just the, the what if, but um, if you go always back to, you know, the, the pain of now of not being able to use it, I think that's a, a risk that's worth it. Right. And the likelihood is, Skylar, that it's going to be fine. Mm. So I want to talk about kind of what just happened there. Um, I think that was a really good look into coaching and what that kind of looks like. And I think, you know, a lot of coaching, obviously, with your, what you're doing is more on the physical side, like what exercises you should do to improve. Well, that's not necessarily true, right? A lot of our coaching is the conversation I just had with you. That's yeah. So that's what I was about to say that, you know, a big part that people focus on is the actual exercises, but something that you really just addressed was the mindset. Yeah. Um, could you just talk about the importance of, you know, what we just went through and how mindset can make such a big shift in sure. when, yeah. Let's go through an example. How many, you know, if, if you're listening to this right now, would you ever say, have you ever said, do you know anybody who's ever said, I have a bad back or I just have a bad knee? Or a bad shoulder. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Skylar, have you ever said, that's my bad shoulder? Yeah, of course. Okay. That happens when you're reminded that there's something that needs to be improved. It's no big deal. Everybody does it. Everyone's like, oh, I have a bad shoulder. It's my bad back. I got this knee thing. We become that thing. And we convince ourselves that it's true about us. What if instead of saying, I have a bad shoulder... You walked around and said, I'm so stupid. Every time you tried to, every time you, you missed your exit driving somewhere, God, Skylar, you're so stupid. Yeah, you begin and to believe it. You begin to believe that you're stupid. And if people heard you say that to yourself, if you were in a conversation with somebody who you care about and who cares about you, and they were like, and, and you missed your exit, and you're like, Skylar, you're so stupid. They'd be like, whoa, what was that, man? 
You can't talk to yourself that way. But when you say, oh, it's just, that's just my bad shoulder. They're like, oh, yeah, 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 that's the one you hurt, right? And you just start to believe it. Everybody else accepts it. What if, what if you, when you said, I'm so stupid, they're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You failed that third grade class, right? Like you didn't do well in math in third grade. You are stupid. Nobody would accept that. Man, that's so true. Yeah. So we, we know that our clients come to us having those conversations with themselves. And we have clients who we've talked to and, and literally told us when they got off the phone where we are screening them to determine if we believe that we can help them or not. Because we turn away 35% of people who reach out. Mm. So the 65%, we've had people in that group who have told me after the call, I already feel better physically. Wow. I'm like, that's, it's not impossible. And you do realize that you're the one in control of that, right? They're like, yeah, now I do. Awesome. That's a huge win. Man, that's powerful. It's really powerful. And there are things that we'll do with our clients. Um, like, yeah, we write their exercise. Cool. But there's stuff that we'll do where we'll work something in for somebody who doesn't think that they can do a lunge, for example. And if anybody listening to this can, can picture a lunge, you, you know what it looks like. Do you know what a Turkish getup is? With the kettlebell? Yeah. Yep. We'll say the same person, okay, we want to work your legs, but we know you can't do a lunge. Go ahead and do Turkish get-ups and send us the video. Hmm. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, cool. They do a Turkish get-up. Any pain with that? No, no problem. Cool. I want you to go back and watch that video. And notice the point in the Turkish get-up right here at 34 seconds. Where you're lunging. <laughs> and you don't have any pain. Now, I'm not suggesting that all pain is you know, mental and that we're making it up and it's all in our heads. What I'm saying is that <coughs> the brain functions in a way that it receives a stimulus and makes a decision. It doesn't receive that stimulus in the lunge. I mean, in, in the Turkish get as it does in the lunge, it's not the same because it's thinking about other stuff that's going on. That person would still have pain in the lunge. We need to desensitize that. The problem is people are told all the time, if it hurts, don't do it. And sometimes if it hurts, you need to do it. Man, that is such a crazy way of looking at things. That's like the opposite of just everything that I've heard growing up. Yeah. Well, let's think of it this way. Skylar, do you, do you work out now? I mean, I know you do, but do, do you lift, do you squat, do you deadlift? Yeah. How much do you squat? Uh, like, I'll, I'll do some reps with 225. Okay, how many is some? Uh, this morning I hit like five ish. Um, I did, I did all, like a, all the way down. Yeah. I did like a superset with, um, front squats and back squats. So, okay, cool. And how much do you deadlift? Uh, I haven't been deadlifting much. I'd say like two twenty five would be the max for like two or three reps. Why well, haven't you been deadlifting very much? Because it does mess with my shoulder. Okay. Got it. Now, how much weight can you step up on the left leg? That's a good question. Thanks. How about the right leg? Great question. <laughs> okay. So what if I told you, and this is totally hypothetical, what if you could step up with 115 pounds for 10 reps on the left and for one rep only on the right? Probably something is the issue with the right leg. Would you think of that as a problem? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Now, what if every time you went to step up on the right leg, it hurt a little bit? Problem. Okay. Would you stop doing it? Uh, I'd probably just go lighter. 
Okay. So what you would probably do is you would continue to gap the distance between the left leg and the right leg. Yes? Mm-hmm. And now when you squat, one of those legs starts to hurt or your back starts to hurt because of the strength discrepancy from left to right. Correct? Yeah. And all that you do is you go back and check that right leg out. No, it still bothers me. I'm going to do everything on the left. And you bridge, you gap, you gap, you gap, you gap, you gap, you make things worse until now you're in the physical therapist's office. And they're looking at the knee that's problematic. And it might be the one on the left because it did all the work. When your problem is you weren't strong enough on the right. We get that all the time. We also get people who come to us and say, hey, I have this uh, super patellar knee pain. Only they don't say super patellar. They say I have pain above my kneecap. I have knee tendonitis. And my doctor told me to rest it. And it's been three years and I still have pain. And I'm okay as long as I warm up really, 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 really well. But um, when I first start, man, does it suck. And we're like, wait a minute. So the more you use it, the better it gets. Yes. And you're trying rest as your solution. Mm. Yes. Because it hurts as soon as you start using it. Got it. But you see, the problem is that's not tendonitis. And it's not your it's not necessarily your doctor's fault for telling you that it is. It is, however, your responsibility to recognize when the treatment is not fitting the problem. And you now most likely have what's called a degenerative tendon, which is not a bad thing. It's not like a 90-year-old tendon that's fading away. It just means it needs to be rebuilt. And the way that that gets rebuilt is use. Eccentric, lengthening contractions. Slower down, faster up, but both of them on a tempo, like a four-second down, three-second up. Like, but that's going to hurt. Yeah, it is. It's going to suck at first. But as you know, as your sets get older and older, and older you get you get you get better. So we're just going to make sure that you're constantly staying between a zero and a five out of ten for pain. We're going to try to keep the RPE, rate of perceived exertion, up at around an eight out of ten. I'm going to keep the tempo at four down, three up, and all the time our clients report getting out of pain from that. Wow. You know, we're we're extremely specific. We tell them weight ranges, we tell them rest, we tell them how many sets, how many reps, how many days a week, we're communicating all of that. There is absolutely no guesswork for our clients. They have unlimited access to their coaches, who, with the exception of two phenomenal strength and conditioning coaches, are all chiropractors or physical therapists. Hmm. That's great. And I, I think that is good to emphasize that if there's an area of your life where you know you, you need that accountability or you need help, it is the right move to get a coach. Everybody needs accountability and everybody needs a coach. They don't all need to work with us. But I have, in my life, I have a business coach. I have a life coach who also helps me in my business. I have a relationship coach with my wife and our relationship is awesome. I am staring right now at my award from last year that she gave me, my hottie award, husband of the year, (laughs) 2017. Um, And she has a nutrition coach. We, we, I get coaching for everything that I want to level up in. Mm, Yeah, that's awesome. Now, before we close, I know we talked uh, a lot about, you know, injuries and pain and how to address that. I do want to give you a moment to just talk about the active life program, because I do think you're doing something amazing. And uh, I'd like you to give more information for people who may be interested. Okay, I'm happy to. 
Um, it won't take long. I'm not looking to make this a pitch for us. People who are in pain, want to get out of it, are uninspired with the healthcare model as it is. You've tried the physical therapist. You've tried the chiropractor. You've tried rest. You tried all the exercises that your personal trainer or your friends gave you. You've been YouTubing and looking for the next thing that you need to do. You tried the brace. You tried the stim. You tried all that other stuff. And you're like, I guess I just have to live with it. I want to talk to you. Because while we can help people like professional athletes, and we do, we have professional athletes who we work with, the everyday person is the person who we most want to help. And we've worked with over 7,000 of them. So 47,000, you can see the math. But all that you need to be is comfortable walking into a gym by yourself, that your skill level to do basic movements is there. Trusting that you're going to do what somebody else who you believe in asks you to do or tells you to do depending on your personality. Available to do it at least three times a week and reasonable enough to know that it's not going to happen in a month. If you're one of those people, I want to talk to you because you have better options. They don't all have to be in the doctor's office. Our tagline is we're the only company in the world helping thousands of people get out of pain without going to the doctor or missing the gym. And every single person right now who comes through our one-on-one coaching gets on the phone with either me or my director of sales. Her name is Pam. And the reason for that is because we do not take money from people who we cannot help. We won't do it. We've turned away big time celebrity names in sports because we didn't think we could help them. And we knew that if we were another person who didn't do the job, we would just become another company who didn't do the job. So if we say yes, you bet your ass, we can help you. And if you come from this podcast and you hop on one of those calls with us, you just mentioned that you heard about us from this podcast and we will give you a unique code for 10% off of anything you buy. I appreciate you doing that. Definitely. No problem. And for the people who are interested in that, or maybe just interested in connecting with you, where can they find you? Active Life RX is our company Instagram. My Instagram is at Sean Pastuch. That's S-E-A-N, P like Peter, A-S-T like Tom, U-C-H. Uh, the difference between the two accounts is the Active Life RX account is going to talk about physical wellness physical mindset, if that makes any sense. Um, And it's going to have some really cool professional imagery and videos on it. Where my personal page is all about kind of the personal development that I'm going through so that I can be the right person to lead this company where it needs to go. I love it. Now, every week on the podcast, we have a different question, uh, just something I like to ask the guests. So this week's question is, what is the best investment you've made in the past six months that is under $100? The best investment I've made in the last six months is under $100. Um, I got myself a journal, and every morning I write in it. And now I am not, by the way, for those of you listening, I'm not like a, I am not a foofy, how do you feel, write it out all day. <laughs> And I'm totally cool if you are. I just can't get myself there. I used to be the person who woke up in the morning 
checked my phone? Did I get any emails, any texts, any Instagram messages, anything I need to take care of right away? So immediately I would wake up and I was reactive to the day as, as opposed to proactive. So now I wake up, I grab my journal, I write two things in it. What is something that I'm appreciative I was able to do yesterday? And what is something that I'm excited I'll be able to do today? And that's it. I write that every day and it has a profound impact on the way my day goes. Man, you know I love hearing that. It's exactly what I love talking about. Yeah, man. I mean, look, if it wasn't for the fact that I brought my at-a-glance teacher's calendar over a year ago, that would have been the best choice. What And what is that? So I have a calendar that sits next to me at my desk at all times. It's like a desk calendar. It's probably two feet long by a foot and a half tall. And every month I write the goals for the month, like the, the big process goals, not I want to lose 10 pounds because I have no control over the number and I'm not looking to lose weight. Um, and so I write my three to five process goals. For example, um, in November, they were staff and execute two workshops. And we did that. N- work out 20 hours and I'm well on pace to hit that. Write my journal every morning. So those were the goals for November. And then I go through every week and I make sure that I'm doing the things. I write every Sunday, I map out what needs to happen during that week in order for me to be successful and the things that need to happen in order for the big three to five to be successful. Right? So every week has to add up to the year, I mean, to the month. And then every day I go in and I map out how my days are going to look. What are the tasks that are going to get done that day? And I either win the day or I lose the day. Every single day, I win the week or I lose the week. I win the month or I lose the month. If I win most of my months, I'm going to win the year. If I win the years, I'm going to win life. Definitely. Oh, without a doubt. And then the next session on the podcast is called My Current Obsession. And my question to you is, is there something that you are currently obsessed with, whether it is a person, a place, a color, a song, a thing, just anything that you kind of have a weird obsession with right now? A weird obsession? You know, weird as in you're a little overly obsessed with it. Personal development. Yeah. So, I mean, every I had a business coach teach me about two and a half years ago. He said, if you want to be a more successful business person, you have to be a better person. Mm-hmm. And I took that to heart. And I've been working on it really, really, really hard since. Mm. I love it. And then before we go, do you have a final message to the listeners? Yeah, for sure. You are you and you are not your diagnosis. If, if you've been told you have tendonitis or you're too old or you have arthritis or you're bone on bone or you got a disc herniation or a bulge, if there is somebody else in the world who is functioning with what you have, then your excuses are invalid and it's not your fault. You've been told that's what life is going to be like. Where you're to blame is that you believed it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Dr. Pastuch. This has been an awesome experience. My pleasure, Skylar. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Before we wrap it up, I do have a few things that I want to go over. Number one, if this episode provided you with any value that you can use to improve your life, 
All I ask is that you head over to iTunes and leave a rating and a review. It will take a minute or two, and it will help the show get ranked higher, which means more listeners, which means more people to get my message out to. So if you go over to iTunes and do that, it would mean the world to me. Next, if you are an entrepreneur or just anyone who values their time and you want to drastically improve your productivity, reduce your stress, and even increase your happiness, there should be a link in the show notes to apply for a free one-on-one call with myself. I would love to talk about how creating morning, daytime, and nighttime routines can all lead to an increase in your success. Thirdly, if you find that you're starting your day by pressing the snooze button, make sure you check the show notes for the link to grab your free copy of the Snooze Stopper. Now, all you have to do is pay shipping and handling for this workbook, but in this workbook, I share exactly why pressing the snooze button is leaving you more tired, why it's hurting your mindset, and even affecting your confidence. So if you press snooze right now, if you are late all the time because you press snooze, or maybe you just want to improve your life in some way, make sure you check the link out for that as well. And finally, if you are interested in supporting the show in another way, I do have a patron page. Patron is a system that allows listeners to support creators by pledging a certain amount of money per month. It can be as low as a dollar, and everything helps me make this a better show. When you pledge, there are certain reward levels, each that come with certain perks for you. So if you're interested in supporting the Early Risers podcast, you can check the show notes for that link as well. With all that being said, guys and girls, I appreciate you. Keep killing it as always, and I'll talk to you next time.